This is the Love That Album Compilation Edition, covering soundtracks, tribute albums, best ofs, box sets, and more. Hi, and welcome to Love That Album Podcast. Uh, my name's Terry Frost. I am the honcho of Paleo Cinema Podcast and Martian Driving Podcast, and I've been asked by Morris to cover a couple of the albums that I really like. And given that I do movie podcasts, those particular albums are movie soundtracks. The first one's from 1971. It's the Oscar-winning soundtrack to the movie Shaft by Isaac Hayes. And then we're going back to the hippie days of 1968 for Bob Crew and Charles Fox's soundtrack to the movie Barbarella starring Jane Fonda. Uh, both of them soundtracks I love, both of the movies of which I'm very fond, maybe Shaft more than I'm fond of Barbarella, possibly because it led me to a lot of other films that I now like. But I still like the soundtrack to both of them. Uh, for a long time, the soundtrack to Barbarella was really hard to find, and it was only for sale at a crazy premium in record shops back in the days before the internet occurred. But the Shaft soundtrack on vinyl was almost ubiquitous. There were a lot of them around. Uh, they were out of my price range at various times until I finally did score it on vinyl. But uh, I remember I was down in Gould's Book Arcade, when, which was in the city in Sydney back in the 70s. And one of the things I remember with incredible vividness is the fact that they had got in a shipping load of remainded vinyl. Now, you know how books are remainded. They, they used to do the same thing with records, and there was a whole bunch of remainder vinyl that Goulds got by, on consignment from America, and they were selling off copies of, wait for it, Curtis Mayfield's Superfly soundtrack for a dollar. I remember that vividly, and I picked up a copy, and I didn't regret it one tiny bit. But this came after I was introduced to Shaft by seeing the movie. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, so we'll start chronologically, because I think that's logical and we'll start taking a look at the charles fox and bob crew soundtrack to the 1968 science fiction titillation movie barbarella i'll just play the trailer and then get into the music never underestimate the power of a woman i have been sent here by the president of the republic of earth hopefully to save you particularly when that woman is jane fonda as barbarella her name is Barbarella, and you can see her do her thing in a motion picture that makes science fiction something else. Oh, oh, stop! Good many dramatic situations begin with screaming. She's the most beautiful creature of the future. She's Barbarella. A Barbarella Sacadella never... Paramount Pictures presents a Dino De Laurentiis production with Jane Fonda as Barbarella, directed by Roger Vadim. Barbarella in Panavision and Technicolor from Paramount Pictures, a Gulf and Western company, suggested for mature audiences. It's a bit hard to put in this movie soundtrack into a genre. It's kind of loungy, it's kind of hippie, it's very commercial West Coast production music kind of stuff in some ways, and yet it's um, uniquely itself. So let's start with track one, the title track. It's a wonder, wonder woman, you're so wild, 
psychedelic. There's a kind of cockle shell about you. So here's the story. Crew and Fox were to do the soundtrack for Barbarella, which was this big Anglo-French-German-Italian mega production with 15 writers, a star who was just coming into her own being Jane Fonda, and Roger Vadim directing, who is known for doing titillating movies over the previous 10 years, including When God Created a Woman with Bridget Bardot in the late 1950s. Crew and Fox were the original composers, originally the French composer who'd done a number of film scores already, a guy called Michel Manier, was supposed to do it. He stayed on to do some of the production work with the soundtrack, but uh, the production took the soundtrack off him and gave it to Bob Crew, who was doing really well at the moment. He had a few hits with the Bob Crew generation in a year or so before. He'd done Music to Watch Girls By, which is a crazy hit. He'd just come off having a really, really big hit with Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, Can't Take My Eyes Off You, which he wrote. And he wrote a number of hits. Uh, there was, uh, let me have a look here, Ragdoll, Big Girls Don't Cry, Walk Like a Man, and this wonderful piece of work. Don't worry, I'll, we'll get back to Barbarella, but this wonderful one, which I've really got to kind of note that was written by the same guy who did the soundtrack to Barbarella. Man, dig that crazy chick. As you can tell, the guy was a genius. So that was actually the Royal Teens short shorts. He had a number of hits along those lines over previous years. And so Michel Marnier was out and Crew and Fox were in. They then got a band who were around New York at the same time. This was recorded in New York City, the whole album. So Crew knew that he needed to get a psychedelic band on board. And so he found one called Glitterhouse, uh, which comprised of Mike Gale, an African-American lead singer. Uh, there was Hank Alberle, who was doing harmonica, guitar and violin. Uh, Al Lax did vocals and bass. And they had a guy called Tommy Weiner on drums, which is an unfortunate name for a drummer, but we'll let that pass. So what happened was they did the vocals on Barbarella and a couple of other tracks, including I Love All Loving You and Love, Love, Love Drags Me Down. Uh, the end song of the piece, An Angel is Love, was actually performed by Bob Crew himself. But Crew uh, did something really weird, which was not unknown at the time, but he wanted his own session musicians to do the soundtrack, and so he only used the vocalists from Glitterhouse to do the singing and had his own session musicians do all of the musical accompaniment. This kind of pissed off the band, as it might well do. They were on 100 bucks a week, which wasn't bad money in those days, 100 bucks a week each. And eventually, after they put out their debut album, Crew cut them loose, and they went on to do whatever they did after. They were semi-successful as a band. So the main vocals on Barbarella and I Love, Love, Love Drags Me Down and all I Love All The Love and You were most probably Mike Gale. And the soundtrack, the theme track, sorry, is a pretty good one. I like it. It sets the mood nicely for the piece. In the movie, they have a zero-G striptease by Jane Fonda 
while the titles are coming up, and there were various letters from the titles, numbers and letters from titles, covering her rude bits during the striptease. But it kind of sets the light, fluffy mood of the movie. It was not a movie to be taken seriously. It was a piece of froth based on um, Jean-Claude Forrest's early 1960s comic book, so it was never meant to be taken seriously. And it kind of works. I mean, you can play that soundtrack now and particularly the title track, really does work. It's kind of cute in a way and sweet and oddly nostalgic. And it does have a little bit of that kind of hippie optimism, which is sadly lacking from a lot of modern music, in my humble opinion. So from there we go into a somewhat electronica track called um, Goodnight Alfie, which is the track while Barbarella is in suspended animation and her spaceship's going into hyperspace to Talcetti. And it's kind of um kind of interstitial piece in a way really doesn't draw attention to itself too much but there's a lot of kind of twang guitar in it and then the cut in, cuts into a track called spaceship out of control which is when she gets real and obviously the spaceship's out of control which again starts out with some electronica and then kind of phases into some trumpets and then goes back to the electronica again <laughs> Then we get a couple of tracks called Ski Ride and the Hungry Dolls, which are about Barbarella being rescued by Mark Hand, the child catcher, and the kind of deadly dolls that the children he's catching have as toys. Uh, you'll know it from the movie, you know, the dolls with the gnashing razor-sharp teeth. And we get a track then that um, has a little bit of fun with things because it's the point where Mark Hand introduces Barbarella to non-electronic sex. And... Um, the old-fashioned, rumpy-pumpy kind of thing. And we get the next of the vocal tracks of the thing, which is Love, Love, Love Drags Me Down. Now, this one's kind of playful and fun. It's got a few sound effects in it. It's not taking itself at all seriously one tiny bit. And it has a little bit of the feel of the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band, something like My Pink Half of the Drain Pipe or one of those kind of tracks. And it's a little bit of fun. Um, it, it's definitely one of the more unusual tracks to be laid over a sex scene in a movie in the 1960s. I'll just play a bit of that because I think that these changes in mood that we get in the Barbarella soundtrack are always fun. And it just shows that uh, Crew, Fox and Glitterhouse really did give us a wide range of music in this kind of light, fluffy and ultimately silly movie. Drags me down. Drags me down. There are a few atmospheric tracks in there which are basically underlying action scenes. But I'll probably kind of go to the two tracks that I like best in the album apart from the title track with the Mike Gale vocals on it. And they are I Love All The Love In You and An Angel Is Love, which are the bit where Barbarella and Pygar, the blind angel she finds it, played by John Philip Law, get it on. 
And I think I Love All the Loving You is a good standalone track as well. It really does have that kind of romantic, sweet, 1960s kind of hippie feel about it, which, in fact, is so sweet that I think it could have been a hit in previous decades as well. There's nothing in it that's innately 1960s as far as the lyrics are concerned, but it really does have a sweetness about it which kind of underlies all the nasty things, the BDSM iconography of the movie, the sadism and cruelty and the horrible big orgasmic machine that Milo O'Shea runs as the evil wizard kind of scientist in the city of Sogo. By the way, you've got to remember that Barbarella is the movie that gave Duran Duran their name because Milo O'Shea's character in Barbarella is Duran Duran. So the movie has a lot to answer for. But I'll give you a little piece of I Love All The Love In You and then to kind of wrap up with Barbarella, I'll do a bit of An Angel Is Love, which is a totally over-the-top, silly, hippie track. It's no sense at all. It's all kind of peace and love phrases thrown together in a clump. And um, yet it works. I mean, possibly because of the wonderful session work and the arrangements. But both of those tracks are, are probably two of my three favourites on the Barbarella soundtrack album. I love all the love in you I do like the picture I see Like looking at love, looking lovely at me I really love the sweetness of it. There's something about it that gets to me. It's a, a kind of mood elevator if I'm feeling down, just to listen to a couple of those tracks from the album. Uh, it's, there are times when you can get cynical. There are times when you, can, when you want something harsher and more solid in your music, but there are also times when you need to chill out. And apart from anything else, the Barbarella soundtrack makes a pretty good lounge album. Uh, remember, lounge was like 15, 20 years ago. It was really, really hot, and then it kind of faded out but it turns up occasionally in cafes, particularly where the coffee's particularly good. You occasionally walk into a cafe and they're playing Couleur Café by Serge Gainsbourg or maybe a little bit of um, Cool Ella Fitzgerald, that kind of place, would be the kind of place where you'd hear an, a track like one of the tracks off Barbarella. Now, I'm just going to finish up on this one. There's not a lot of depth to the Barbarella soundtrack, but it's so kind of archetypal of... It's time. Even though it was released by big studios, it was a hodgepodge put together by a consortium of people from all over Europe and America and England. And um, for some reason, it kind of works in a crazy way, in the same way that the 1960s version of Casino Royale works as a stupid hodgepodge Frankenstein monster of a movie, which you kind of like in spite of yourself. It's a vulgar pleasure. And the, both the Barbarella soundtrack 
and Barbarella the movie itself are vulgar pleasures. You don't go to see them if you want to find anything about human nature in the future. You go to see, see them, you watch them. You don't go to see movies much anymore. You watch them because you're nostalgic about it and they're fun and they're just harmless and comforting like a warm blanket. But anyway, I'll leave you with a little bit of An Angel is Love because I like that. I like the rhyming scheme in it. I like the um, the backbeat in it. And it kind of finalises the story nicely with Pygar carrying both Barbarella and the evil queen away to his nest for what we assume is a prolonged and very satisfying menage a trois. A beggar is sorrow, the devil is hate. A dream is tomorrow, a fool cannot wait. An artist is beauty that rises above to look in the eyes of an angel. An angel is love. love. I just love that soundtrack. Um, what Barbarella's also had a lingering pop cultural appeal and a legacy over time. Uh, back in the 1980s and possibly the early 1990s, there were a string of sex shops in Perth, Western Australia called Barbarella's, which were very popular for a time until the mail order business kind of took them over and Western Australia banned X-rated videos. So all of the videos were sent to people I knew in Canberra they were on VHS tapes at the time for them to um, distribute on behalf of Barbarella's from Canberra where it was legal to have X-rated videotapes. But that's a side issue. Anyway, um, I'm going to now move on to a much more widely regarded soundtrack. By the way, I did find out while I was recording this that the Barbarella soundtrack was turning up in dollar bins in America for a long period of time. It really didn't sell well and wasn't crazily popular at the time it came out. But it's only in retrospect that it's got the reputation and kind of nostalgic fan base that it has now. But in Australia, before the internet came out, it was crazily hard to find the Barbarella soundtrack and the prices asked for it in second-hand record shops were extortionate. But it's time to move on to the high point in the career of Chef from South Park, and that is the 1971 soundtrack to the movie Shaft by Isaac Hayes. Get out of the way! That they gonna be here, should be here. Open it up. Shaft's his name. Shaft's his game. Can't say gonna be here. It ain't right. That's some cold shit. Throwing my man Leroy out the window. Pick my man up and threw him out the goddamn window. Listen, Snow White. Me and you gonna tangle sooner or later. 
Why don't you stop playing with yourself, Willie? You ain't gonna do shit. Shaft's his name. Shaft's his game. Hey, man, I don't know no Ben Buchan. Funny. Oh, that Ben Buchan. We're gonna take it out of your ass, Pip. Looking for a nigga named John Shaft. Just found him. Wow. The mob wanted Harlem back. They got Shaft up to here. All I'm asking you is to let me know what's going on. No names, no places, just what? Okay, Tom, use up your minute. Get out. Don't tell me, man. If you want to play your super heavy black number, I'm going to play mine. We can nail your tail for manslaughter on what we got on you right now. The 1971 movie Shaft is Blaxploitation, and some of the best music of the 70s came out of Blaxploitation movies. I'll give you the three that I know of and the three that I love best. I've already mentioned Curtis Mayfield's Superfly soundtrack, which is the D-plus ultra. Then we get Marvin Gaye's Trouble Man soundtrack. Both of those are really great, but I don't think in some ways they have the range of music that the Shaft soundtrack Isaac Hayes did has. It really does kind of give you a whole bunch of different mood pieces it gives you an initial song which starts out with that hi-hat drum beat then it throws in some guitar with the wah-wah pedal happening Then we get some of that flute coming in. If people think flute isn't a cool instrument, uh, the theme to Shaft really does gainsay that one. And there's been nothing quite like it before that. It was really popular here in Australia. But we hadn't heard music quite like this. We'd had a few things that were slightly similar, but there wasn't anything really the way Shaft brought everything together. The beautiful thing about it, too, is originally Hayes did it as an instrumental, but he went to MGM with it, and MGM said, no, give us some lyrics as well. People want lyrics. They want to know who the hero is. So give them some lyrics. So in about a day, he put together the lyrics for the theme from Shaft, 
which told us exactly who John Shaft was, that he didn't take shit from anyone, that he was a lover of women, and that he was a tough guy, and it all works. The beautiful thing they did in the movie, too, is they put it over various um, scenes of Richard Roundtree walking through the streets of New York. You see him crossing Times Square against the traffic. You see him walk up, walking up around the Apollo Theatre in Harlem. You get an idea of the man's... And you see him also in Greenwich, Greenwich Village. So you see a sense of who this guy is, what his territory is, and that he doesn't take shit for anyone. He's yelling at cab drivers and just kind of walking his own way against the stream of the traffic, which is a great visual metaphor for the way the man lives his life. It just works on all levels. It really does. And uh, you can play it anywhere at any time, and people recognize it, which is the other cool thing about it. When I first got the record, it wasn't the full album. It was actually the 45, the double-sided 45. And on one side, it had the theme from Shaft. had a slightly shorter version than the version that's on the album we have now. But it's the other side that blew me away. And that surprised me because B-sides, I knew what they were, but I didn't really know that they could be better than the A-sides in some ways. And the B-side to the theme from Shaft on the What Stacks label and the singles in Australia was this particular tune. And it's Cafe Reggio's, the track is called, and it's named after a genuine, real, true-to-life coffee house in New York City. It's actually in uh, 119 McDougal Street in Greenwich Village, still there to this day. And the cafe's been in a lot of movies. It was in Godfather Part Two, Next Stop, Greenwich Village, The Kremlin Letter, Serpico, In Good Company, Inside Lewin Davis, and it gets mentioned in Luke Cage Season 2 on Netflix. JFK made a speech outside the joint in 1959 when he was running for president. It's uh, just an iconic place, and it's an iconic tune too. I can't listen to that tune and not think of the single rotating around on my turntable. But Cafe Regis comes a little later in the album, the second track we get is Bumpy's Lament, which is a nice little Hammond organ piece, kind of slow and thoughtful and melodical. Bumpy, in the movie, is the gangster who hires Shaft to find his daughter so that his enemies can't get to her. And it kind of shows the softer side of a very hard man, played brilliantly in the movie by Moses Gunn. And so we get that kind of lyrical, meandering Hammond organ track totally in contrast to the first track the, the theme from Shaft the third track on the album Wolf from Regos is really cool it's kind of a little bit faster there's a little bit more tension and it comes across with a really nice kind of a Lalo Schifrin vibe about it probably influenced by Schifrin's work in, in things like Bullet and a few other movies he did during the 1960s 
but it stands on its own and you kind of get that escalation of tension that comes in the movie. It, the album parallels the kind of dramatic arcs of the movie brilliantly. It really does kind of fill out the edges of the frame and, and makes the movie more intense for the way the music's handled. There are also a couple of really good vocal tracks on this one further down the line. Soulsville, where um, Isaac Hayes does some lyrics that are fairly political and unfortunately fairly timely for right now. Then we get a little meditative piece, which is the second last track on the album, Do Your Thing. Uh, The last is a reprise of the instrumental parts of the theme from Shaft. And it's kind of reflective and and a nice kind of wind-down from the action of the movie. Now, Shaft itself isn't a perfect movie. As a lot of people have pointed out, it was the start of the corporatization of black exploitation. Originally, black exploitation was done by black people for black people. It was a total FUBU kind of operation. People like Melvin Van Peebles and Max Julian, Ozzy Davis and others, did kind of... Even Rudy Ray Moore, who came along a little bit later, it was by black people for black people. But MGM did Shaft, which was originally written by Ernest Tidyman for a white protagonist. And when Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, the um, movie done by Melvin Van Peebles, came out, they changed things around and kind of rejigged it, if you'll excuse that expression, to be um, a black exploitation movie. Now, Shaft isn't the perfect black exploitation movie, but it's got a great soundtrack. And given its origins as kind of a, a almost a blackface kind of detective movie, it still holds up pretty well. Uh, things like Superfly are much better, much deeper in a lot of ways, and Trouble Man as well. There are any number of black exploitation movies which have got great soundtracks. Um, but this is the one that really grabbed the public's attention and also grabbed the awards. And whatever else Isaac Hayes did later on and the crazy cult that he joined later in his life, he still has a number of good albums at the front end of his career which are really memorable, really great to listen to, and really worth your attention. So that's about it for Barbarella and Shaft. I hope this is what people wanted to hear. Uh, Next time it'll be back to um, Morris and Eric and getting uh, their kind of thing out there. But that was just my spin on a couple of albums I liked from the 60s and 70s that were very influential on me and turned my head around musically. And that's always a nice thing when you hear something a bit random and suddenly it takes you down a different path in the kind of music you like. happened to me with Jacques Brel. It happened with a whole bunch of different people. And so my taste kind of fanned out from the stuff that was just being played on the radio. So anyway, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, my podcasts are Paleo Cinema Podcast and Martian Drive-In Podcast. You can find them wherever good podcasts are found. Uh, thanks for the, for the opportunity to do Love That Album, and next time around I'm sure they'll be back to normal programming. See you later. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.